Welcome to Living the Good Life Podcast, where we bring you messages, thoughts, and advice for living the good life. Today's message is brought to us by Brother Larry Dishman. I'm going to read one verse out of 1 Thessalonians 5, verse number 21. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. I'd like to speak on that subject for a little while. Hold fast that which is good. A lot of things that are good. A lot of things that are evil. We are admonished in the word of God to hold fast that which is good. I believe the word of God is good. Some folks no longer hold fast to the word of God. Psalms 122 and verse number one says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. Yes, we need the word of God. I'm glad for the word of God. The word of God to me is life. And what kind of church would my church be if all the members were just like me? Let's hold fast to the word of God. I believe something else that's good and that's praise. And the devil would like for us to come to church and not praise God. But Psalms 98 verse number 4 says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. There one Psalms 34 and verse number 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. The psalmist believed that praise was good. Hold fast to praise. Psalms 35, 18 says, I will give thanks in the great congregation. I will praise thee among much people. He went on in the 50th chapter in verse number 23 and said, Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me. We glorify God when we offer up praise. Again, in Psalms 106 and verse number 48, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say amen. Praise ye the Lord. You know, I've noticed as I read the book of Acts, just about every time they begin to praise God, somebody got saved. One familiar instance is in the book of Acts when the Philippian jailer, amen, had locked up Paul and Silas. When they begin to praise God and sang praises, a whole household was saved. People in our world today, in the religious world, that do not believe in shouting and praising God are going to be shocked when Jesus returns from heaven with a shout. I still believe that praise is powerful. God does not need our praise half as much as we need to give him praise, glory, and honor for all that he has done for us. Praise is like a thermostat that opens the heart to flow in communion with God. And somebody says, I don't care for all this praising God and rejoicing. Well, friend, I still love it. Amen. Hold fast to that which is good. Amen. We've got something to praise God for. Things may not be going all your way, and you might have some heavy trials, but thank God, God's been good to every one of us. 
Amen. And so may God help us to keep up on the praise. Now, something else that I feel that's good that we should hold fast to, and that's our position of separation. Do you know God wants us to be different from the world? That's why he said, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. That's why he said, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You know, I remember a time when I was a young boy that you could pretty much tell church folks from the world. We're living in a day when many people who go to church live no different than those who go to church. But we are to separate ourselves from the works of darkness and not have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. The Bible still wants us as the people of God to be a peculiar people. A lot of folks say, oh, what we need is a sin-killing revival. Well, that's true, but the fact of the matter is people don't want you to say nothing about sin. And everybody in your family ought to know that you are a child of God. And if there's as much of God in you as you say there is, people will be able to tell it. Friend, there's not a danger in any of us here uh, getting too close to God. That's not the danger we face. There's not a danger that we could become too holy, but there is a danger that we could drift towards compromise. Somebody say, well, everybody else is doing it. So it can't be that wrong if everybody else is doing it. Well, friend, just about everybody's going to hell. And so therefore, I don't want to be doing just about what everybody else is doing. And the devil does not want a big hold in my life, and he does not want a big hold in your life. The devil just wants a little hold in our life, and once he gets a small hold on us, he'll work from there. We must be on guard against this dangerous spirit of compromise. Compromise many times begins in the heart long before you can see any outward signs. Uh, uh, Some are saying the church is getting worldly, but I do not believe that. There may be people in our congregations that are getting worldly, but the church that Jesus built will never get worldly because it has been predestinated to be conformed to the image of the Son of God. I see people doing things all the time, and they say, it don't bother me, and I think, well, it didn't bother me either till I got saved. The he's are trying to look like the she's, and the she's are trying to look like the he's. Friend, there's no such thing as a worldly Christian. So say, I'm a Christian, I'm just a worldly one. No, there's no such thing as a worldly Christian. He made that clear, love, not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Somebody said, well, what is the world? It's anything that draws us from Christ, that draws us from duty, anything that keeps us from being what God would have us to be. Often think about the Jews. They said, Jesus If you'll just come down from the cross, then we will believe in you. Matter of the fact is, friend, if he would have come down from the cross, there wouldn't have been anything to believe in. 
And so it is with people today. There's, well, if you'll just, if you'll just back up on this and if you'll just change on this and let down on this, then more people will get saved and more people will come to the church. Friend, if we let down on the word of God, there'll be nothing for people to come to. Amen. So God help us. As somebody said, well, I don't like that kind of preaching. Well, I didn't either before I got saved. But since I got saved, I've been liking this kind of preaching. Amen. Someone said, well, Brother Dixman, God judges from the heart. And the Lord knows my heart. That's right. I believe that. The Lord knows your heart. He knows my heart. And the Bible does say he judges not from the outward appearance, but he judges from the heart. But you see, people that's looking on you, they can't see your heart. I can't see your heart. You can't see my heart. So people looking on have to figure out what your heart's like by the way you live. And if you live wrong, if I live wrong, people will make a judgment about us and say that person is not right. And we are to be a light to this world. And we can't be a light to this world if we're living just like the world. The way we're a light to the world is we no longer live like we used to live. Amen. Somebody said, well, that's a problem with Church of God preachers. They just preach against everything. I said, no, we don't preach against everything. Just everything that's wrong. Amen. I don't have no desire to preach on things that's right. I just want to preach on that that's wrong. So the way we dress should not be based upon opinions, but it should be based upon the Word of God. And when a ministry is silent on any subject, there'll be a gradual drift worldward till sooner or later. Friend, they will be regulated by the dress and fashion of this world, and the Word of God will be trampled under the foot of men. Amen. It'll soon be lost. And I'm convinced that it's better to lose members who are not true than to lose doctrine that is true. Amen. So let's hold fast to that which is good. God still got a separated people. And when he comes again, he's still going to have a separated people. And people said, well, this is just a little thing. And I don't know why uh, you call such a racket over just a little thing. But if it's a little thing, it ought to be easily given up. In the fact, it's so hard to get people to give up these little things prove that it's not a little thing after all. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine, according to the word of God. I tell people where a pig goes through today, a hog will go through by and by. Those of you who've been around the farm, you know what I'm talking about. Where a pig goes through today, a hog will go through by and by. If a little pig can get underneath the fence and get out, as it comes back and forth day after day, as it grows, day by day it pushes up the fence a little more. And pretty soon, where only that little pig could get out, a hog is getting out. Amen. And so uh, some say, well, these things that you preach against are insignificant. They're just little things. I say again, they ought to be easily given up if they're little things. Are you letting your light shine? Whose team are you on? I believe God wants us to live in such a way and 
dress in such a way that people who see us, I'll tell you one thing about that person. I don't know if they're saved or not, but I can promise you by the way that person's dressing, they go to church somewhere. Somebody said, well, what, what's wrong? Well, by compromise, we may get the favor of sinners, but we'll lose the favor of God. The nominal church world has gone down the road of shameful immodesty. A friend, the church does have a right to preach against things that even the Bible may not come right out and mention. There's principles in the Bible. If those principles are found in the Word of God, amen, the Bible lays down principles of right and wrong, and these are unnumbered and unnamed evils that the church must continually to stand against. We must continue to testify the immodesty of our day. Amen. Somebody said, well, I say again, everybody is doing it. Well, if everybody's doing it, the likelihood is that it's wrong because Luke 16, 15 said, that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Friend, I tell you over the years, and I'm sure you can say the same thing. I've known of men that looked at this. They were going to be a great lighthouse for the Lord. I know of men that once preached the word of God with power. They waved the banner of holiness high. And I've seen some of them come and go. And I've watched them in the storms of their lives. And in the storms of their lives, they ran their boats into the rocks and become shipwrecked. One time, they were preachers of righteousness. They would cry out against the evils of the day. But my friend, today, they've been caught up in the drift and dragged under the undercurrent of compromise. Today, they're shipwrecked, and they no longer believe that the sin they used to preach against is still sin today. Well, God hadn't changed his mind. Uh, people are changing their mind about sin, but God has not changed his mind about sin. And if time even lasts a 100 years, friend, it's still going to be the same. God's not going to change his mind about what sin is. And so sometimes we as preachers have been accused of proclaiming a standard that's extremely difficult to reach. But I believe there's a greater danger that's facing us as the church of God. And that is to water down our religion until it has little standard, little significance, little power. Friend, to be a Christian is still a high and a holy calling. And the low levels of this world is not for the people of God. Friend, there's nothing so dangerous as to compromise the truth of God's word to avoid danger. There's times when decisive action must be taken and when courageous efforts must be put forth without delay. And I believe that's the time that we've come to even today, the time when we must face the issues for the battle of truth and for right. When you've got a wonderful pastor here, you should be thankful that you still have a pastor that still calls sin, sin, and is lifting up the standard of holiness. The church today cannot allow an irreligious world to dictate its doctrines and practices. The church must remain faithful to the word of God 
irrespective of any convincing and reasoning to do otherwise. Friend, I've noticed folks that are compromising. Uh, I, I go everywhere and preach, and I tell you the things that I see, it hasn't caused me to cool off for God. It's causing me just to dig down a little bit deeper because I see, my friend, what compromise can do. Amen. It's, it's sad to see how that compromise can wreck a minister. It can wreck a congregation. And it's not many cases. It's not the fact that uh, people themselves just uh, want to uh, change themselves, but they're out to change you. They're not satisfied that they have changed. Friend. They're out to convince everybody that they can to try to live like them. Well, I have no intentions, friend, of changing and watering down the word of God. The church is not to bow to the changes and the pressures of this world. Opinions are changing. Attitudes are changing. Fads and fashions change. But the word of God still the same. He said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know what he said? I will not alter the things that's gone out of my mouth. He's not going to change what he said was sin 200 years ago. It's still sin today. The church of the living God has the responsibility of maintaining its identity. It must not give in to the leaven of compromise. Yes, friend, the church today cannot allow an irreligious world to dictate its doctrines and practices. The church must remain true to the word of God. What can be done to keep the church on scriptural ground in reference to the way that we live? Preach it as freely and openly as any other subject in the word of God. The church is bound to stand its ground. It cannot Submit to the pressures of a changing world as the church of God were dedicated to the declaration of truth, of Christian doctrine, and instruction in righteousness. Amen. So let's stay true. We got to have it settled. I'm not going to let up. I'm not going to shut up. I'm not going to slow up. I'm not going to back up. I'm not going to dry up. I'm not going to freeze up till I'm taken up. Amen. I just still like the old paths. Stand you in the ways and see. And that's for the old paths. Where is the good way? But they said, we will not walk therein. Don't let that spirit get a hold of you. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to live that way. It got a hold of people back then. And still get a hold of us today. Well, I don't care what he said. I, I'm not going to do that. If it's in the word of God, we ought to be willing to do it. But here's something else. I believe it's good. I believe the power of God in our lives is a good thing. Let's hold fast to it. Amen. I need power in my life. The Bible says in Acts 1.8, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Friend, we can't do anything without God's power. I like what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, 4. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration and of the Spirit and of the power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. First Thessalonians 1, 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost 
and in much assurance. Amen. Power is a good thing. Hold fast to that which is good. There's power in the gospel. Romans 1, 16, the apostle Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The church of the living God means power since there is a distinct work to do and for every one of us, we have a distinct job to do and since we've got a job to do for God, we must seek the power to do that job because we don't have the strength within ourselves. We can't accomplish what God wants us to accomplish in the flesh. The only way we can accomplish what God would have us to accomplish is through and by the Holy Spirit. In all ages, to the end of all ages, the power to do God's work must come from God. We're only channels. God furnishes the power, the ability. All the enabling is of him. Hebrews, the 12th chapter and verse number 28, put it like this. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Here's what I believe. I can't serve God acceptably. You can't serve God acceptably in what you're doing unless we're serving God with power. Amen. We'll never see this power restored unless we realize we need it. Many start out with a burning zeal and they work hard for God for a time. And then, my friend, they begin to drift and begin just to be at ease. Friend, I believe that the lack of the Holy Spirit is the millstone about the neck of the church. And unless that is released, it's going to drag us downward, deathward, and hellward. And one of the greatest needs of the church of this generation is to have the Holy Ghost in the midst of her in a greater way. Amen. Because each Christian is doomed to failure and frustration unless the Holy Spirit is allowed to come and perform its ministry in our hearts and our lives. You know what I'm thinking about? God don't need somebody that can preach good. He just needs somebody he can preach through. God don't even need somebody that can sing good. He just needs somebody that he can sing through. God don't need somebody that can witness good, that's studied it out and knows the right thing to say. He just needs somebody he can witness through. He wants to use you. He wants to use me. A lot of folks today, uh, they say they believe in consecration. They say that they're filled with the Holy Spirit. But when it comes to producing the good, they fall far short. Something else that I believe is good, saints, and that's supplication. I believe supplication is good. Acts 6 verse 4 says, we will give ourselves continually to prayer. Amen. They practice supplication. Hebrews 5, 7, who in the days of his flesh, when offered up prayer and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 1, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplication, prayers, intercessions be made for all men, for kings, for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness 
and holiness. I believe that God could turn the White House around. We could get professing Christians turned around. America will never get on the right track till professing Christians get on the right track. The church is the one that has the power to hold the evil back. The Democrats don't have that power. The Republicans don't have that power. Only God has the power to hold the evil back. Amen. And I'd say, dear ones, it's not in political party that's going to get the job done. It's gone too far now. we got to have God. Amen. And so Luke 18, 1 says, He spake a parable unto them to sin. Men ought to always to pray and not to faint. Let's not lose this supplication. Last but not least, I believe something that's really good, something we all need. I believe a passion for souls is good. It's real good. And do we have it? Psalms 126.5. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. I ask you the question, do you have a passion for souls? How long has it been since you've been so burdened for some lost soul? You woke up in the night thinking about their eternal destiny. Got out of your bed, prayed for them. How long has it been that your heart was so touched that you wept for a sinner? You cried in thoughts of them being lost forever. It's amazing that we as the church have so few tears and there's so much to weep about. And nothing proves a soul winner's sincerity like his broken heart, his tearful concern for the lost. Paul had it in Acts 20, 31. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. God, give us tears. The Bible says concerning Jesus, he was moved with compassion. Seeing the condition our country is in. Seeing the loss souls about us should move us to compassion. But the average church member today really is not being moved by compassion. You know, that's the reason why some folks never invite others to church. They never pass out a track, pray for a lost soul, weep for sinners. It doesn't take sin very long to destroy an individual. Let us have this soul burden. May God help us in these areas. Have you been holding fast to these things? Or is the devil trying to rob you of these things we mentioned here this morning? Amen. That we hold fast to that which is good. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you found this message helpful, please share this episode with your friends on Facebook, Messenger, or your favorite social media. If you have questions or suggestions, please message us on Facebook by searching Living the Good Life Show. A big thank you to Sister Rachel Fowler for all of her editing expertise. Until next time, keep living the good life.